1: And, you know, none of us are ever going to achieve a sinless life. The only being that's ever done that is Jesus. And on the flight home from Perth, I made the decision that I don't want to keep striving. You know, it's okay that I'm not perfect. I'll give this Christian thing a go.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today we have part two of our conversation with Tom Winter. Tom Winter whose parents are both survivors of the Holocaust, and spent time in the Auschwitz concentration camp during World War II. Last time, we heard how they came to settle in Australia after the war. Now Tom will share more about their lives and about the impact they've had on him. We'll also find out how he came to put his faith in Jesus as he has a chat with Eric Scadabo. Welcome back to the program, Tom Winter.
1: Glad to be here again, Eric. Glad
2: to have you with us. And yes, we heard about your parents' stories Concentration camp survivors both went to Auschwitz. Is that right? Yes, but they never met.
1: No, during the whole concentration camp experience. No, they only met when they both were getting their tickets from the shipping company to come to Australia.
2: That's right. So your mother was going to go to New Zealand. Your father was going to Melbourne. Yep, and he was asked to look after her. Yes, during the trip to Melbourne because she had to go through Melbourne as well. Mm -hmm. And as you said last time, he decided to look after her for the
1: rest of his life. Yes, he took the job very
2: seriously. (laughs) That's right, right. So our romance came during the travel over, which was on a ship. Was that right?
1: Yes, it was on a little Italian cargo ship, the Ugolini Vivaldi, which was fitted out with bunks for about 5,000 refugees.
2: So your mother went on to New Zealand, but then eventually came back to Melbourne, and then they were married and then began their new life in Australia, in Melbourne. And so we chatted about that last time. So now let's kind of talk about the lasting influence, the profound impact
1: their lives had on your life. What are some of the things that impacted your life? Well, my parents were polar differences, I guess. My father was the eternal optimist Mm -hmm. and could always see the good in anything and anyone. Now going through the Holocaust but still being able to look on the bright side that is like unbelievable oh yes
2: but yet he was still looking at you know we always say the glass half full the glass half empty he was looking at the glass as half full
1: and also later in life Sir Zelman Cohen our governor general who replaced John Kerr during the the great dismissal of the Whitlam government Mm -hmm. and his successor Sir Ninian Stevens also the next governor general also a brilliant lawyer My father had the opportunity to work on a law case with them in Austria because he was an expert in Austro-Hungarian law. Zelman Cohen counted my father then later as one of his friends and said he was the greatest legal brain that he had met anywhere in the world. But coming to Australia as a lawyer of that standing, he started work dipping parts in arsenic baths at General Motors. So, going from a very high-ranking
2: lawyer to working in a car factory.
1: He never complained once. Wow. He did what he needed to do to support his family. And then he studied accountancy while at night school. Okay, now let's move to your Mother? mother, who was not an optimist. No, she wasn't, and she had a sort of inferiority complex because of the fact that she'd only done... Uh, year eight in schooling, but she was a wonderful support who did anything and everything for both my father and the kids. For example, she made dresses and so to start off with, but when he started the accountancy practice, she was happy for him to teach her bookkeeping. She was a very intelligent woman, just not educated, sharp as a tack.
2: Now, she was asked what impact did the Holocaust have on her? And she said that she was a fighter and that she doesn't take no for an answer. Yeah. So she's pretty feisty. Oh, yeah. Now, do and you get some of that
1: from her? Or? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I've written a list of things that I get from both of them. Yeah, how did they impact your life? Like my father, I tend to be adventurous. I have the resilience of both of them. I mean, to survive the concentration camps. Oh, yeah. And not only one but numerous ones. And they went through not only Auschwitz, but bergen and She had time on the docks at um, Hamburg, shoveling bitumen from one pile to another one day. Mm-hmm. Horrendous torture, basically. But both of them were industrious people, imaginative, mainly my father. I can do attitude. I have a sign on my wall in my office at home that says, we do the difficult immediately, the impossible takes a little longer <laughs> and I've always taken on challenges you know to me if I'm told this is too hard or so that's just a challenge to do it now do you think that's because your parents have achieved the impossible I mean they I think they it's, got through don't, concentration don't camps don't accept yeah. no as an answer yeah and you know I look at my father and going from a brilliant lawyer to a factory worker Through no fault of his own. Yeah. Look at the humility there. Yeah. Never complain, ever. I never heard my father ever complain. Wow. My father was my hero. I've never had a friend like him. (laughs) What do you think most comes to your mind when you think about your parents and the influence they had on your life? Well, my mother's resilience. Not only does she have the camps... But when I was um, in about year 10 of high school, we were on a holiday through the snowy mountains and you got terrible kidney pain and the TB had come back. She had one and a half kidneys removed and lived for 30 years on one kidney. Wow. But she kept going. Hmm.
2: She was a fighter.
1: She was a fighter. My father was taken from us when I was 21, just finished uni. My mum it's interesting in her life he died he died she had 24 years married to my dad which she were the best years of her life they worked as a team accomplished a lot and then afterwards she hated being a widow but she never looked at another man nobody could ever match my father and she had 24 years quite lonely a lot of them and uh, I would ring her every morning, 7 a.m. Melbourne time, no matter where I was in the world. Now you were in different places in the world because you were a well, I had jobs, businessman. Yeah, I had jobs where I travelled constantly. So one you'd job. have
2: to wake up in the middle of the night to give
1: her a call. Yeah. Wow. And on her deathbed, she said to me how meaningful it was to have a hello each morning. So you had a very, very strong, close relationship with your mother. Well, yes, we had our ups and downs. And it's an interesting one when we talk about me being a Christian. But uh, with my dad, you know, nobody has ever replaced him in my life. Nobody's come close. Mm -hmm. And some of the things I see, he was always involved with all of our activities. He was on the school council. He was on the scout committee. He took us anywhere and everywhere that mum didn't. In spite of working about a 60-hour week, Mm. my mother used to work 90 hours and she kept an immaculate household. So I can't hold people to that sort of standard. Mm. It's unheard of. But they had virtually no option. They wanted to succeed. So, yes...
0: You're listening to The Story. Today, Tom Winter is once again sharing about the lives of his parents, who are both survivors of the Holocaust. We just heard about the huge impact they had on his life. Next, we're going to find out how Tom became a believer in Jesus and about his mother's reaction. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Today, Tom Winter is once again sharing with Eric Scatterbow about the lives of his parents, who were both survivors of the Holocaust. Before the break, we heard their story and the huge impact they had on Tom's life. Now we're going to turn to Tom's story and find out how he eventually puts his faith in Jesus Christ.
2: So we've just heard the different ways that your parents influenced you. But uh, in a sense, you kind of broke their hearts, <laughs> to put it mildly, when eventually, well,
1: please share your story.
2: What well, happened?
1: Well, Dad was gone, and I don't know if it would have bothered him, but it's interesting as to how I became a Christian. I didn't have much belief in anything. And 13 years of age, I stopped attending synagogue. After then, your bar mitzvah? After my bar mitzvah. I played basketball. I... Um, had a very successful academic career at school. I ended up with a general exhibition, one of the top 50 in the state. I went to the university of my choice. My best friend was a genius who did electrical engineering, so I followed him. And at the end of uni, I didn't want to continue with research, so I went out to work. And it was in my um, second year, my first year, that my father died, and Uh, About two years later, I transferred to Sydney with my company, with ICI, and that was very tough for mum. So at the end of that year, I came back. Hmm. Uh, I had my own apartment, but um, I kept in touch with her and helped her manage all her business affairs and things. When I was still studying, when my father was ill, I felt I needed something, so I went back to the synagogue that I used to attend, And in the Jewish synagogue, if people are going to be married, relatives and friends are called up to say the blessings over the readings of the scriptures, or if a boy's going to be having or go through a bar mitzvah as well, people are called up. And then afterwards, after the service, there's normally a morning tea or lunch or so to celebrate. And when I was walking out of the synagogue, the senior rabbi sort of looked at me he knew me from the past and said well did you come here for the wedding or the bar mitzvah and I said actually not I came here looking for some comfort but you know if that's your attitude you're not going to see me again see so you later. you didn't really like his um, comment to you there? His sarcastic manner. Hmm. And because that kind of turned you off? It turned me off because most of my both of my parents were very straight shooters so I didn't have any religious life and then as my career built I joined a company called Foxborough, which was located over the road from where Life Ministry Centre now is and I was uh, the uh, church that we both attend? The church we both attend. On the east side of Melbourne. Yep. And I became uh, their national oil and gas sales manager. And I would travel to the refineries and oil and gas production sites around Australia. Yep. And about two years into this role. I was surrounded by Christians, um, both some work colleagues and also some very influential people in the customer base. And I also had unbelievable success in that role. And there were two things that I remember. One was a day in Sydney where we went to the Caltex refinery, which is near Cornell, where Captain Cook landed. Mm -hmm. And at lunchtime, I was with... A Sydney colleague, Bruce Kelman, who was an elder in a Baptist church. And we're having lunch at a local park there, right where Captain Cook landed. I don't know why that's significant, but it means something to me. Somehow it stuck out in your mind. It stuck in my mind. Mm. And I said to Bruce, look, let's get rid of all the religiosity. Let's compare the fundamentals of both Judaism and Christianity. They both have God the Father. Judaism talks about an omnipresent, omnipotent, all-powerful being as Christianity talks about the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. To me, that sounds very similar. So Mm -hmm. there's one difference, the third member of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. So I said to him, who is he? What is he? What does he mean? Mm -hmm. And Bruce explained to me that Jesus died on the cross well he was his teachings were different to those of the pharisees and the religious hierarchy of his day and um, i said well what was it different and he said well he died for us to forgive us for our sins both the ones we've committed and the ones we're going to commit now i always thought that sin was murder rape something like that and he explained no sin is actually doing things outside of god's will Mm -hmm. so i meditated on this for a while for several weeks and i thought of the old jewish mother stories that you know jewish mother or the parents give their son a red tie and a blue tie for their birthday and the next morning when the son comes in wearing the red tie the mother looks at him and says, so what's wrong with the blue one? (laughs) So you can never really please them, no matter how hard you try. Did you find that you could never please your
2: mother, no matter how you tried?
1: I did. I mean, it was partly due to her lack of academic training. But if I came home with a grade of 99%, she would ask me, so what did you do wrong? Wow. Where if I came home with a pass, my father was delighted. Hmm. So that was the optimist, the pessimist part. And I thought it's too hard to be perfect. None of us are. So you're striving, you're striving, you're striving, but you're never going to achieve it. You're never going to achieve it. And, you know, none of us are ever going to achieve a sinless life. The only being that's ever done that is Jesus. Right. So I was then on a trip to um, WA and on a huge project there, I was leading our team and a new A contact at Quinana. We had about a week there that culminated in a very successful presentation and that night we were having a dinner with the BP Quinana team and there was a guy, Phil Jacobs, there. And my contact said it's really weird that Phil is here because he normally he, he doesn't come to these social functions. He stays at home with his wife Annie. You know, he's a bit of a wacko. He's a a Christian. (laughs) That's how you describe him, huh? Yeah. So um, Phil sat next to me. I don't think he actually told me he's a Christian. He just stays with his wife. And uh, on the flight home from Perth, I made the decision that I don't want to keep striving. You know, it's okay that I'm not perfect. I'll give this Christian thing a go. Now, Uh, what, what attracted you to it? The forgiveness, the not having to be perfect, not Mm -hmm. having to be the best. And um, that weekend I was going away with a group of friends who were all Christians and I'd had a bad back for years. And at the swimming pool of this place I swam 60 laps. Wow. And a Japanese lady who was there as well said, what's he doing? So I told her my recent story and she said, I want to be a Christian too. Oh, wow. And I just wanted to be baptised. So some friends organised a baptism for me in the pool of the guy who was building Life Ministry Centre. Oh, wow. And I then attended. And after a while, I didn't attend. And a good friend of mine who's been a lifelong friend since my day of baptism encouraged me to go back during the summer holidays And I went back and she said, don't make a fuss, you know, go to the back. So little did I know, I went to the back of the building. When I walked in, I sat right at the front where the pastors (laughs) normally sit. (laughs) And Pastor Oxley was on duty. It was just near Christmas, New Year. And I received a letter welcoming me. And after about three weeks, he came up to me and said, look, I don't know how to quite put this, but you're going to have to move your seat. (laughs) Because Pastor Ken Symes normally sits there, and he's coming back from holidays next week. So I didn't quite obey the instructions of my friend. I made a big splash. And I've been at Life Ministry for 33 years now. I've never wanted to go anywhere else. Yeah, now that's interesting. So you've gone to a Christian
2: church ever since you became a Christian. Mm -hmm. But yet other people coming from a Jewish background have decided to go to like a Messianic Jewish church. But that has not been your story.
1: No, it's. I think it's another thing that I got from my parents. Like when they came to Australia, they lived within a community of Australians. They didn't want to go to their own type Mm -hmm. or so. And I guess with me being in a Christian church with Christian people, I didn't mind who the people were. Mm. I saw no need. To go back to associate with Jewish people. Um, nothing against it, but nothing it, against it just was it, it wasn't a pull, and I think in many ways it just hasn't been an issue for mm, me. Mm-hmm. And during a very difficult time in your life, members of the church were there for you. Is that right? Oh, yeah. There's been numerous occasions, but one of the things that spoke to me the most is when I had this job and I was traveling so much... Pastor Graham Nelson, um, he had some time away from life ministry where he was working for me as an administrator. And when I was away, he would ring my mother. He would always make sure my mum was okay. I mean, her first reaction when I said I'd become a Christian. Yes, that's a good question. Well, when she first heard, she said, but Hitler was a Christian, and she was horrified. Hmm. Now, many Christians would be offended by that. Yeah, so she associated... Hitler with Christianity, even though he was not a Christian. The broader would Christianity, would and he's not what we would call a born again Christian exactly today. He was kind of in it some, kind some of a cult
2: or something. Yeah, wasn't a he?
1: wacky East German cult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was in the young adults group at the time, even though I was mid thirties, and I brought people down to our weekend house in Anglesey, and they all spoke to my mother, and she began to like these people, and when Pastor Graham rang her, she referred to him as the priest. (laughs) The priest. (laughs) And she loved the fact that he was tough with me. Was that right?
2: Oh, yeah. She respected that. She respected that. That was a language
1: she could understand. She could understand. So whether she committed her life to Jesus or not, I'll never know. Well, I will know when I get to heaven. Oh, of course, yeah. But she was
2: exposed to Christians and heard the gospel.
1: Oh, very much so. I remember one day walking on the beach – at Anglesey, and one guy having her ear for one and a half hours. It was oh, wow. a short version of oh, okay. the gospel. <laughs> and so that's all in God's hand, yep. what's happened there. Yep. And I also remember at the church's 45th birthday, and it's getting close to 60 now, one guy got up and had a testimony, and he said, look, I came over from WA. I found out of a church that had some good sheilas in it, <laughs> that was life, men. I came here, met my me wife. We had our children here. We've had our grandchildren here. This is home. Mm. And that's exactly how I feel. And, you know, I met my wife in the church. We had our kids here. Graham used to refer to us as the miracle couple because I was nearly 48 years of age. My wife was nearly 38. Neither of us had, had a serious relationship.
0: Hmm
1: outside of Christendom or inside it before. And my boy is completing year 11 this year, my daughter year 8, and we chose to live where we live to be close to this church. Mm. So, you know, we're in the church. My kids have been in kids' group there from little toddlers. They've never been on another property, Mm. basically, for the growing up. So you are nothing but consistent, <laughs> well, yes, and I mean, I now see a lot of my behaviors a bit like my dad's, like mm. on a Friday night, in my people mover, the reason I have it, I take seven kids from five families to youth, yeah, you know, I still work with Peter Harris in the kids ministry, and uh, you know I'm driving the kids here there and everywhere, so you're involved helping out. Yeah, but like my dad, I'm I'm not necessarily actively involved, but
2: facilitating. Yeah. That's fantastic. So we'll find out when we both get to heaven whether your mother put her faith in Jesus Christ. We'll find out then. But obviously, Jesus has had a profound impact on your life. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us.
0: My pleasure. That was Tom Winter sharing with Eric Scatterbo about the impact his parents' lives had on him and about how he eventually put his faith in Jesus Christ. As the Bible says, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who Who repents. So, we know that there is much rejoicing in heaven when Tom put his faith in Jesus. We'll only know for sure when we get to heaven whether or not Tom's mother did as well. If you're listening today and you'd like to talk and pray with someone about eternal life, you can call our prayer line at 1 800 Pray For Me. That's 1 800 772. 936. We would love to pray for you at 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for part two of our conversation with Tom Winter. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story.
1: I guess the difference is he's real. You know, before I knew he was a god and I knew there is a god, but suddenly he was very much real part of me and I think that's where the difference was and what I realised that it isn't just about knowing there is a God, it's about putting God in your heart and that's what I did in 2005
0: Lois Payne and Raju Sundas come from different parts of the world but both share a deep love for God. Lois is from Canada and Raju is from India We'll hear both their stories and how the Lord has been working in their lives next time The The Story Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.